Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So let us address the UNRWA and why the United Nations has failed us and how we should start looking in a different direction. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Rumble, YouTube, live stream is happening. Even Facebook and Facebook sucks. It's not my fault, Zuckerberg. It's your fault. Just, just saying it the way it is. I'm not the one who made the platform terrible. You did. Your bigotry, your people, your hires, your issues. Not me. Don't get mad at me for noticing. The phone number, 833-468-8669-833. Got Tony. The story is, is that uh, the UNRWA, the United Nations Relief and Works Agency, now has nine countries that are refusing to engage in funding because of the October 7th attack. This is going to bring us to a conversation about Representative Ocasio-Cortez. And Sarah, if you could find her tweet, throw it there in, in, a, in a graphic about wanting to still fund these people. The story goes that the United Nations Relief and Work Agency had not just some, but had a great number of participants in the planning and actual attack from Hamas on Israel on October 7th, that murdered over 1,200, that raped women, that burned women and children alive, that took children hostage, women hostage, the elderly hostage, and people have died in captivity. They've been placed in in, in cages, which uh, according to Democrats used to be a bad thing, and now I guess is, 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 is peachy. The United States, Germany, United Kingdom, Australia, Italy, Canada, Finland, Netherlands, Japan, all saying, let's woe up here. Let's just not have this. Let's ask ourselves, what has happened here? Well, what has happened here is that the United Nations, as we have long suspected and long known, is an organization made up of some of the worst people in the world. Bigoted, despicable awful, obscene people. They are uh, in favor of despots. They are in favor of the the destruction of democracy, if you will. Because you know, I say democracy, I talk about the United States as a republic, but you get the point. The United States and Israel always bad. Libya, Cuba, and China. Mwah! Chef's kiss. Those guys are freaking awesome. You see it again and again and again and again. This support for the most hateful. As Evan Sayet explains, it's not just wrong, it's wrong as wrong can be. That's where the political left is. 180 degrees diametrically opposed to the truth. Again and again and again, you got you to gotta work at being that wrong. You got to want to be that wrong. But how many times are we supposed to take a look at this and say, this is good. 
This is a value. My goodness. Thank gosh we've got the United Nations. Tell me what the United Nations has done. I, I've said this about um, uh, the, the federal income tax. Tell me now the good that has come from the federal income tax. The federal income tax has divided Americans. The federal income tax has been used as a cudgel against Americans and their free speech rights. Where is the value that has come from the the, the federal income tax? And I will tell you it's nowhere. It doesn't exist. There is no value that has come from the federal income tax. None. What's the value of the United Nations? Well, Tony, it's really important to have a seat at the table. With whom? Nations that want to lie and engage in damage, that want to thwart you, hurt you, harm you, destroy you, while they engage in some of the most horrific evil you could possibly imagine are given cover? I want to know what the value is. There comes a moment where there is no value. The UNRWA has members uh, we know at least is in the what the intel shows supplying Hamas with RPGs and took Israeli women hostage during the attacks. Ten people, uh, twelve people, been fired. Ten of them were active members of Hamas. Another was affiliated with the Islamic Jihad. I don't want to pay for these people. I don't want to hear about the good work that they do. I don't give a damn. Because if these are the people providing the good work, let's say they're feeding children, they're also teaching children how to be uh, evil and replace them. No thanks. No. It's, 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 it's a maddening proposition to think that you would want this, to think that this has some level of value. This is exactly the kind of re- thing that when you see it, you say you, you, you refuse to be a part of it. So why are we still a part of it? You had people celebrating the attack. I bring it up because we must understand how this connects to what we are doing here. What is happening in the United States? How does it affect American citizens? The idea that, oh, it's all this talk about Israel. No, 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 no. It is about utilizing this as a way to start building out other places of hate. Remember, these are people who hate the idea of free and thinking people. They hate Western civilization. They hate American culture. It is about us. This is the tool to get there. That's all this is. There is a story out of the the New York Post. And the story out of the New York Post... I'll, I'll, I'll try and get it up as quickly as I can. Discusses a school teacher. And the school teacher, an elementary school teacher, going on an anti-Israel blitz. A New York City elementary teacher draw from anti-Israel propaganda to twist wheels on the bus. Remember? Wheels on the bus go round and round. I know. I know, voice like an angel. And they use that to celebrate the eradication of the Jewish state. The wheels on the tank go round and round. 
all through the town. The people in the town, they hold their ground and never back down. The bombs in the air go whoosh, whoosh, whoosh all through the skies. From every river to every sea, the people cry, 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 free Palestine to the wheels on the tanks fall off. Now, how quickly does that turn to a conversation about, I don't know, upending capitalism? By the way, capitalism is great, and uh, the data is uh, definitive, and the people who are opposed to it, uh, mostly lazy and jerks. Uh, I, I, I didn't know I'd have to be scientific about the thing, but anybody who wants to do away with capitalism clearly uh, has, has no mind. Just an angry, angry, vicious person, uh, which all of them are. You want to teach this to kids? If you're willing to teach this to kids, what are you not willing to teach? Do we want to bet that the same exact people who are in favor of Israel's destruction are the same exact people who are in favor in, up, uh, in favor of upending capitalism? Is this a debate? Are we somehow thinking that maybe magically they're different folk? Same exact folk. Same exact folk. Same exact conversation. Get it understood. This is the story. In New York, because these things always happen in New York. Remember when New York was was the place that was going to show us all how to do it? You see, us in the Midwest, we were just rubes. But those New Yorkers, ah, they know how to be good, kind, decent folk. Sure. Whatever you say, kitten. Uh, This, um, I, I would play the audio... But uh, I'm not sure if there's uh, cursing in it. So this is uh, via Scootercaster, New York. Um, And this is a couple that is uh, leaving a a synagogue. And uh, people are throwing water at them and shouting, we will burn down your homes too. Let me tell you, it took a lot to teach those adults how to feel that way. It didn't happen overnight. It happened over time. Now, can you imagine how much easier it is to to be able to teach them to feel that way when you can sing to them the wheels on the bus and make it a whole big song about from the river to the sea, which is a call for genocide of Jews? It's a lot easier to teach the hate. And not only teach the hate, institutionalize it if it's coming from the school it's got to be good right this is what's happening this is what makes people like john fetterman so unbelievable and yes i said that out loud out loud this is from uh, Ed Crasson on Twitter. They showed up, Senator John Fetterman, of course, is the senator who had the stroke from Pennsylvania. And we're talking about a lefty's lefty. And e- even before the, the stroke, ne'er-do-well and the parents supporting him, mayor of this town, and uh, runs for Senate against uh, John Fetterman. I, I mean, against uh, uh, Mehmet Oz, Dr. Oz. Has the stroke still campaigns 
Western Pennsylvania decides he's more authentic. He can't put together a sentence. He isn't sure where he is. But my gosh, he's one of us. And they vote for him. Beats Mehmet Oz. He goes to the Senate where he cannot put together a sentence. He cannot understand what is being asked of him. It was horrific to watch. I don't know why his family hated him so much. I said those words. I still mean it. You had to go and and get treated for depression. I've gone through depression. It's a horrible concept. But as a member of the U.S. Senate, that's a danger. And then what happens? He starts discussing the fact that There's a problem at the border. Before Joe Biden decides to make it a political sloganeering nonsense, what does he do? He he states um, that uh, Congress should not get involved in going after Zinn, these these nicotine pouches. It's a legal product. Leave people alone. I'm going to err on the side of freedom. Oh, okay. Then he starts being supportive of Israel. And when you see a group of pro-Palestinian, which is to say pro-Hamas supporters, uh, out in front of the Capitol, there he is in the background waving an Israeli flag. They came to his house. So he stood on the roof waving an Israeli flag. Waving an Israeli flag at these pro-Hamas protesters who were chanting, you can't hide, we accuse you of genocide. Good Lord. If you want to accuse somebody of genocide, uh, it's Hamas. By the way, people are still protesting. Uh, They want to cease fire. Uh, Israel offered one, a two-month one, uh, to to Hamas to get the hostages, uh, you know, and, and, and Hamas didn't take it. How come there's no call for Hamas to stand down? No, no, none of that. Because that's not the point. Every ceasefire conversation is also a lie. The objective is the eradication of Israel, which will be followed up by doing away with Western civilization, American culture, how you educate your kids, as opposed to how they want to educate your kids by teaching them the wheels on the bus mean run over Jews. You must recognize how these things get placed together. It's the same group of people, the same group of absolutely positively hateful people who want to destroy what is quite simply a better way of life. It's better. This is better. It's not debate. It's just better. And they want to rip it apart. And we enable these institutions to let them. That's going to bring us to Bill Maher and Seth MacFarlane in a fascinating back and forth that will do a very good job of explaining where we're at in America. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today.
no surprise there that the political elite are surrounding him there. He has become, Trump has become an insider. That's what it comes down to, is he's more interested in satisfying the elected class than he is in satisfying the people. When it comes to South Carolina, look, we wanted to be strong, and I think, you look, we started with 2% in Iowa, we ended up with 20%. We got to New Hampshire, we needed to do better than that. And we did. We got 43% of the vote. Now we're going into South Carolina. We need to be stronger than what we did in New Hampshire. And so that's certainly what we need to do. But it's not. You need to be more than stronger. You need to win. Ambassador Haley, stronger? This is, this is not an argument. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. It's not an argument to say that you need to be stronger. That's, that's insane. You need to have a win. The only way it comes up, this idea of stronger, is if somehow there's some donor out there who says, well, if you do a little bit better than this in South Carolina, I'll keep the money going. And she's on Meet the Press having this conversation. Even Welker, the host, is like, are you sure about that? I think I need to do better than I did in New Hampshire. So this is a building situation. But it's not about to which win, state you get and which state you don't. Do you need to actually win? I think I, I need you to, saying you're, you need to do better. But do, don't you need to win your home state to show that you can win a state, win your home state, and really put some delegates on the map for yourself? Well, we've got 17 delegates. He's got 32. I'd say that's pretty good to start. What I do think I need to do is I need to show that I'm building momentum. I need to show that I'm stronger in South Carolina than New Hampshire. Does that have to be a win? I don't think that necessarily has to be a win, but it certainly has to be better than what I did in New Hampshire, and it certainly has to be close. No, I think it has to be a win. And if you have 17 and he has 32, he has double the delegates. 34 would actually be double, but it's close enough for government work. This is, politics is an expectations game. And as we discussed, she underperformed in Iowa, but she overperformed in New Hampshire by about seven points, I believe it is. If she overperforms by 10 points in South Carolina, 10, the data says she still loses by 20. And the polling for Trump has been pretty dead on. Yes, she underperformed in in, in Iowa, overperformed in, in New Hampshire. Uh, DeSantis overperformed in, in Iowa by, by a little bit. But the Emerson poll, the last one done, has Trump 52, Haley 25, DeSantis 7. Um, I have seen nothing that shows me any wild gesticulation. Everything is possible. But I've seen nothing that shows some massive swing Trump down and Haley up. It'd be interesting if you saw that. But the real clear politics average has Trump up 30.2%. So if she were to overperform by 10, and use the Emerson poll, Trump 54, Haley 25. So if she got 35, and I've already said that the Trump polling is there. It, it hasn't been off. That means that Trump would win by 19. You're going to try and sell that as, hey, look who's coming on strong. All of a sudden, it's like it's like Steve Martin and Dan Aykroyd, two wild and crazy guys. Huh? Huh? 
Show me the donor who's like, hey, that's great. Only down 20 points. Here's another check. Whoop. I don't know who they are, but I want to meet them badly. Perhaps you saw over the weekend um, the the people at the Louvre who decided that they would throw soup at the Mona Lisa because they were going to stand up for the environment and they were done uh, with people always wanting more and more oil. They threw soup at the Mona Lisa. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. This is uh, the kind of madness that can only be dealt with in one way. These two people walk up. They throw soup at the Mona Lisa. Now, the Mona Lisa is, I, I don't believe the Mona Lisa is covered by glass. It's, it's, it's small. It, it's, it's not this gigantic painting. It, 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 it's small, and, and um, it's got barriers and things like that, but not necessarily guards. I know this because two pieces of human garbage were able to throw soup on it, and neither one of them got tackled or punched in the face. Now, you say to me, Tony, you're not advocating for punching women. Listen to me carefully. The destruction of artwork is the kind of stuff that ISIS does. And I believe in responding to that with such absolute force that people become afraid. Art matters. Art separates us from the animals. The expression of the soul is extremely valuable, incredibly important. One of the horrors of art in today's society is the freaking nihilism that goes on. It is absolute nothingness and we say, look at that and we celebrate it. It's literally nothing. Statues that are faceless and nameless and shapeless as opposed to a statue for a Greek god or a Norse god or a military hero or a great someone the 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 art is about nothingness and the the appreciation of nihilism doesn't actually get us anywhere it's pretty damn dumb if you ask me we should not be supporting nothing and we should be protecting the great art that's out there and if that means punching someone in the face repeatedly until they stop I'm in. Now you say to me, Tony, I don't think you could say that on radio. I want you to understand how seriously I take the issue. When some total fool walks into a museum and glues themselves to the wall because they don't want any more oil, they need sustainable food. That's what these people were about. What is more important, art or healthy, sustainable food? Um, um, uh, Art. I said art. And I don't think you do anything by wasting food by 
throwing it on a painting. You could have fed two people with that soup because they each had a can of soup. So as far as I'm concerned, you're the problem. Again, punches to the face. But you see the people who, who glue themselves to the walls? Have you ever seen those people? They, they glue on their hand. They, they glue themselves to the wall. I don't believe in removing those people. They have to figure out how they get out. I believe in building enclosures around them with windows so we can watch them slowly decay. You glued yourself to the wall. You think that there is something within the social contract that says you can do anything you want and I have to be respectful. You glue yourself to a wall and I have to somehow get you off the wall. No, I don't. You have to figure out how you're going to eat and use the bathroom. I'm going to build an enclosure around you because I don't want the smell getting out. Never mind whatever leakage might occur. And people can look in the window and watch you chew off your own arm to get to freedom. What's that movie? It's 137 days. You are the James Franco of real life. Even though James Franco didn't actually do it because he played the part in the movie. Neither here or there. 137 hours, whatever, whatever it was. You guys figure it out. But destroy artwork? That's what ISIS does. Now, you notice I didn't say we should kill you? Like we do to ISIS, and nobody would bat an eye. But somehow with these people, if you said that, Tony, you've gone too far, and there might be a suspension in your future. All I did was say punch him in the face and protect the artwork. What? I already brought it down some. Why don't you just say thank you, Tony? You're a world-class humanitarian. Which I am, actually. You're welcome. That's not the story I wanted to get to. It's just something I'm absolutely disgusted by. The story I wanted to get to was a conversation between... Bill Maher and Seth MacFarlane on uh, Bill Maher's show, Real Time, which uh, Seth MacFarlane is a creator of Family Guy. Uh, Family Guy and American Dad, uh, The Orville, uh, the movie Ted, uh, with the, you know, he plays the the stuffed bear. That movie made me laugh. Right? Right? I was singing the Thunder Buddy song, but (laughs) that I know I can't do on air. Uh, I don't know how a guy who makes me laugh that hard can be so politically horrific. I, I it uh, kills, kills me. But he is, and in in this, it's 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 shocking to him to hear Bill Maher explain that he doesn't trust journalists. Because the journalists are one-sided. For example, uh, this is a flunky on MSNBC who Joy Reid has on to explain Israel. And I'll say as someone with expertise and also someone who grew up in the global south, this is a huge moment. There is such global frustration and frankly confusion 
over four months in President Biden having not changed course as the death toll in Gaza has increased, as allegations of war crimes have come in. So for people who have been alarmed by this and have felt, you talk to us about human rights, about the international rules-based order when it came to Ukraine, what about brown people in Palestine? This is a huge moment. I'd say the judgment is also really important. Brown people? Every, now, so so it's not it's not about uh, a, a fight for um, uh, uh, that's biblical. It's not about land. It's about an attack on brown people. Of course, this is about some world court ruling on Israel being guilty of genocide. They they held off a little bit on that, and people are like, oh, it's a win. It's a garbage court. What? A- <laughs> when they want to change, they'll change. They're not serious people. And we're supposed to take this seriously? Does it matter if some world court says Israel's done X, Y, or Z? It's Israel or Hamas. Take your pick. It's like David Mamet writes. uh, uh, you, You take the most leftist person in the world, and you say to them that the United States has fallen apart in five minutes. Not a single ounce of it will exist. Literally, the ground will disappear. Everybody will die. There are two planes. One is going to Syria. The other one is going to Israel. Pick one. Case rested right there. But again, this is the kind of thing that that MSNBC uh, promotes. Then they promote people like Representative Ocasio-Cortez. We know that Hamas as an organization, it, it, it does not have any regard for human life. I think that in Hamas's attack on October 7th, they knew what they were bringing on uh, to, to, they knew the, the, the violence that they were bringing on, and we have seen that. They understood the asymmetric attack that, that Israel will put out. Israel has been indiscriminately attacking uh, Gazans, and we have seen t- over 25,000 Palestinians have been killed, over 70% of whom are women and children. You see, Hamas knew they were going to force an asymmetric attack. No one in NBC says, whoa, 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 whoa. They murdered 1,200 people. What to you would be a symmetric attack? They murdered 1,200. They set babies and women on fire. What exactly is the symmetrical attack? No one responds that way. And then, of course, she goes about quoting numbers from the Gaza Health Ministry, which are numbers from Hamas, which are not believable numbers to begin with. Have people died? Absolutely. Their numbers? They don't count on how many they've killed. But all of this is to set up the conversation that Marr is having with Seth MacFarlane and, and the near incredulousness that MacFarlane responds with. And, of course invokes Trump. You seem to trust journalists more than I do. I trust certain journalists, yeah. Yeah, I do. I, certain ones I do. Yeah. Not a lot. And Not a lot? I, no. And I'm, everything I read, it, whatever source, it's only half the truth. They print, they print the narrative. They don't print truth. That's a they, generalization, though. Well, it, it is, really? but it's because it's generally true. They print print the side of the story. By the way, that's exactly what Donald Trump wants. What you just said is exactly what he wants. It doesn't matter. Don't trust. Don't trust the reporters. Don't trust the journalists. Well, Hitler was a vegetarian. Doesn't mean I'm like Donald Trump. But but they print the half that they want. There that is going to make people like you, who are a partisan, very partisan. You want to read something that? Oh, that that makes me feel good. 
Now, this is something you and I have known for years. And good on Bill Maher for saying it out loud. What do you mean Seth MacFarlane doesn't know? Seth MacFarlane doesn't know that the vast majority of national media is fully engaged in moving narrative and not engaged in, in, in an honest conversation. I just shared with you two things that took place. There was no uh, response or rebuttal or, or, or strength from, from uh, Joy Reid. I'm discussing the idea of needing to respond to the attack that murdered three American service members. This drone attack, you have to respond. I bring up the Tucker Carlson side and explain his point of view, or at least people who support him and his point of view about maybe we shouldn't be there to begin with. Now, I have a take. I disagree with that point of view, but at least you got to understand what it is. What kind of person can have a conversation without understanding where the other side is? This is always the conversation of, well, I'm a centrist. I like to see both sides of something. Yeah, that's great. I do too. Don't you realize that sometimes one side is just wrong? One side wants to give you chocolate. The other side wants to hit you in the head with a bat. One side is better than the other side. This is... Why is it so hard for people to say? Sometimes something's right and sometimes something's wrong and it's very, very clear. Seth MacFarlane can't see that? Seth MacFarlane doesn't know that? Or is Seth MacFarlane bothered that Bill Maher exposed that? Because he used the line of lines and something that you have to uh, start maneuvering yourself out of in case anybody wants to try and uh, pigeonhole you in it. Ah, oh, you see, you don't trust journalists. See, that's exactly what Donald Trump wants. He doesn't want us to, tr- to trust journalists. But what if they can't be trusted? What if my mind, which works, led me to a recognition that somebody was lying to me and can't be trusted? The New York Times can no longer be trusted. The Washington Post can no longer be trusted. That MSNBC can no longer be trusted. What about nothing to do with Trump? What if I hate Trump and I still came to that conclusion? Well, you see, you're just like Trump. The arguments being made by Seth MacFarlane is the same argument that was made by Philip Bump over at the Washington Post. He had done a, a story, this is a few weeks ago, about how, you know, when you do your own research, um, you're, you're more probably going to be wrong than right. And so, so you, shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do my own research. I shouldn't read a story and then say, wait a second, what in the world is this? And then do my own research and say, wait a second, they were wrong here, they were wrong. Of course I should. That's how you learn. Every rational person in the world does this. Except Philip Bump telling you, you shouldn't do it because you're going to be wrong. Trust guys like him. Wow. Seth MacFarlane is saying you, you don't trust him. You're, you're, you're just like Trump. That is, that is pretty sickening stuff right there. 
And I, I put forth to you that not knowing Seth MacFarlane, if I had the chance to do the interview, I would do it. And, 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 and this subject amongst uh, many, many others. Um, one has to ask whether or not this is purposeful. This idea of saying this is exactly what Trump wants as a way of trying to stop people from actually utilizing their own mind and coming to their own decisions. Guys, double check me every single day. Fact check me every single day. Every single day. That's what smart people do. That's what Trust But Verify is all about. I'm Tony Katz. it's clear that Biden's policies of deterrence don't work. They don't work. I mean, I mean, they, they tried to play the tough guys. And what's the message to Iran? Don't. It was very important to send a very clear message to anyone who might seek to take advantage of the conflict in Gaza to threaten our personnel uh, here or anywhere else in the region. Don't do it. What is your message to Hezbollah and its backer, Iran? Don't. Don't, don't, don't. I've already delivered the message to Iran. They know not to do anything. I don't think they got the message. They murdered three American service members. They didn't get the message. Maybe it's because the messenger is so weak. They don't trust the messenger. They don't believe the messenger. They think that the messenger is a punk. Maybe what America needs is a new messenger. Yeah, let's go with that. This is Tony Katz today.